0: Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose.
1: Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most.
0: Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want.
1: Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose.
0: And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren.
2: Hello, everyone, again, and welcome to episode number 46 of Journal Talk. This is the podcast that features tips, tools, and techniques to inspire your best journal writing. I'm Nathan Oren, and today I'm interviewing Danielle Hanna, a novelist, a fiction novelist who writes mostly crime fiction, complete with blood, guts, and gore. This should have been the the Halloween episode. (laughs) And she has found that journal keeping is a tremendous assistance in her success. And uh, we're going to be hearing about some of the details of Danielle's intriguing personal journey and family trauma. And also, we'll be talking about the courage that she's had to use journal writing to tap into all of those events and come to terms with her own truth and her own feelings. And as a result of that inner journey... Danielle has found that her connection with her journal has allowed her to put her best creative foot forward in her novels and in her, in the characters and in the creation of her, of her stories. And having a conversation with Danielle like this, it reminded me that journaling can be very helpful for fiction writers as well. And she will share some tips about how that's been true in her case. She's even writing a book called journaling to become a better writer which I'll definitely be sure to share on my website as soon as it comes out. One journal exercise that I thought that we might share this week is something that I tried last November for NanoRimo. It was my very first year doing the NanoRimo challenge of writing a novel And I had just finished my own 30-day digital journaling challenge. So I was feeling very comfortable tapping out my thoughts on the keyboard instead of only relying on pen and paper. It's really good to have that flexibility. I I can use pen and paper. I've always been comfortable with that. Now I'm much more comfortable with tapping on the keyboard for my thoughts and feelings. The 30-day digital journaling challenge is still available if you'd like to, to try that out. And it helps me get good material out of my body in a fast and speedy way that I can save it. So I finally took the advice of several of my friends and some of the guests that I've had here on Journal Talk. Joan Leof from episode number 15 and Amber Lee Starfire, for example, I accepted the challenge of NanoRimo. For those of you who may not know, every November is the National Novel Writing Month. National Novel Writing Month. If you take that into sort of an acronym, you get NanoRimo, N A N O W R I M O, and you can get more information about this organization at nanorimo.org. They basically coach people help people encourage cheerlead people into finishing a novel in 1 month just 30 days to to finish a novel and i'd heard about how difficult it could be if you're not really prepared every year hundreds of thousands of people get started on their novel in november but only a small percentage of them actually write the full 50,000 words they consider 50,000 words to be about 200 pages to be an acceptable rough draft for a novel. So here's what I did to make sure that every single day in November, I had something fresh and interesting to write about because I did not want to hit that wall in the middle of the month and start getting frustrated and tired of my material. I broke up my story into significant little plot points. I made little moments along my outline i had an out, i had an idea of what i was what part of my life i want for me this novel's about my life and i took a section of this and i plotted out the line of what i wanted to say and then i picked 30 distinct points along that plot line strong moments in the story that i knew i would need to write and i had one for each day so here is i'm offering for you, your journal writing activity, if you wish, this week, and if you've completed the 30-day digital journaling challenge, you might especially appreciate this because in addition to helping you write a story, if you're trying to do that, it also allows you to continue your own journal practice by creating your own prompts from your own life, you know, whatever it is that's important to you. So here's what you do. Make a list of 30 memorable and interesting moments from your life. Just moments. Don't, don't include phases of your life like the college years or my first job. Instead, focus on 30 distinct actual moments in time. Something like my first date or the moment that you got your first paycheck. Those are moments in time, and they don't have to be the most significant moments, the most important moments of your life. Just make a list of 30 poignant memories that stand out. And, you know, don't even worry about making sure they're in any kind of chronological order. Random moments <laughs> can be even more interesting. And when I was doing this for NaNoWriMo, I actually made sure that they were not sequential, because I wanted to have that freshness every day of writing about some different point in the story. And what you have at the end of that list is now you have a list of prompts. You actually have calendared items for an entire month. And if you simply write a 1,667 words each day, (laughs) it might sound like a lot, but that's seven pages. (laughs) If you write just, you know, 1,700 words every day on just one of those topics, you get to pick any one of those topics. At the end of the 30 days, you will have, in effect, a collection of autobiographical stories, and you could use that to craft your novel. Just like journal writing, the NaNoWriMo Challenge is only there to get you the draft, okay? So you don't have to worry about internal consistency and points of view or grammar or punctuation or any of that stuff, spelling, nothing like that. Just write out the stories, one story each day, and you can spend the other 11 months of the year polishing them up. And this is what helped me. I completed 50,000 words, my story, And I'm proud to say that now I have a very solid, but a very rough draft. It's very rough, but but it's a solid rough draft that I can work from. And I'm actually right now letting it rest for a little while, letting it take a breather and giving it some space. And when I go back to it, I'll start the editing stage and start trying to make some sense out of uh, how I want it to look and sound and all of the consistency of what would make uh, good reading. If there's any editors out there in journal talk listener land who can help me with that stage on what to do next, I'm pretty intimidated by the hundreds of pages of material that I've created from this. I think it is an interesting story. It does have a universal message. It's a a boy's struggle for authenticity, but I will need to get some help on how to clean it up and get it publishable. You know, maybe I should go back and ask my guest on this episode about this because you're going to hear Danielle Hannah is an expert in this area. That's what I'll do. I'll call her back up. Danielle, if you're listening, I got another call for you. We'll also hear Danielle. She's going to share some more great ideas about journal writing to improve your writing skills. Specifically, she has three steps for taking any moment in your life into a journal entry that will help you as a writer to polish your craft. So let's turn now to my interview with Danielle Hanna. Please enjoy. And with me now is Danielle Hanna. Danielle, welcome to Journal Talk.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: You bet. Yeah, thank you for for your time. And I can't wait to hear all about, you know, I spend a lot of time on this program making distinctions about, you know, the difference between, say, blogging and journal writing, or the difference between social media updates and journal writing, and the difference between this, you know, all these. And here, I'm talking to somebody who says that journal writing is actually helpful for fiction writing, that these two have a strong relationship. So, I'm kind of doing the opposite of what I normally do, and I can't wait to hear some of your uh, wisdom about that. Tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the books that you've written.
3: Well, it all got started when I was four years old. Apparently, I was jealous of my older brother, who had learned how to read and write. And I <laughs> convinced to wait a couple more years until until the right time. So, My mother taught me how to read and write when I was four years old, and my life just kind of went downhill from there. (laughs) I started started keeping a journal when I was five.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah. I got a long, long journal. (laughs) And I decided by the time I was seven that I wanted to uh, be a writer for a living, so that's what I'm working on right
2: now. (laughs) Wow, wow, that's amazing. Yes. And you write mostly fiction.
3: Fiction as well as pointers for other writers about how to work on their fiction as well. So those would be, that's my passion right there, really.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love the uh, tagline that you have on your website, Hearth and Homicide. Tell, <laughs> us, tell us about that.
3: I was trying desperately to find some sort of tagline that would help people understand what kind of fiction I write, because honestly, I have a hard time pigeonholing myself, because it is high drama there's blood and guns and handcuffs and things like that but at the same time I would consider the heart and soul of my writing to be people who are looking for where they belong in families Mm. so it's this odd juxtaposition and when I thought about it the tagline hearth and homicide really (laughs) summed it up well so yeah
2: yeah wow (laughs) all right and I'm wondering if we should kind of break the, the barrier here and talk a little bit about your personal life now, or would you rather mention the upcoming book?
3: One way or the other, because they both lead into each other. They, so. Yeah,
2: they're both so related. Yeah. So, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the story about finding your dad?
3: Mm. Well, I to try to keep it fairly short, which is difficult because I've been journaling about it since I was five. <laughs> My father passed away when I was two years old. Mm. I have no memories of him. He wasn't really talked about when I was a child, so it was sort of a, a big blank in my life. Mm. My mother did remarry when I was when I was five, and my stepdad is a perfectly good person, but he's not quite what I would call a father figure. We got along well and all that, but not he didn't really fulfill whatever it was I was looking for in a dad. Mm. The story continues. When I was a teenager, I, I started keenly feeling this emptiness, and I, at the same time, I met somebody who walked into my life at that time who was everything I'd ever wanted in a dad, and I sort of secretly adopted him. He was, <laughs> in my mind, he was, he was my father figure, and I had no idea how important he was to me, I think.
1: Mm.
3: He passed away when I was 18.
1: Mm.
3: And so at that point in my life, I just got it solidified in my mind that dads are people who are not there for you, and that I was never going to have one. And I just started being totally messed up, really, is kind of the only phrase I can think of, just in my relationships with men, because I never had a male role model. Everything was just off kilter, out of balance. The rest of my family life wasn't going so well at the time, and in, at the other end of all this, I emerged bitter, closed off, and downright suicidal person. I was fence-sitting about whether or not I should even be alive anymore, mm. and at that point in my life, somebody else entered. His name is Sam. He's a an officer with the county sheriff's department, and I met him because I found a stray dog, but he kind of noticed, I think, just how closed off I was and he kept in touch with me and I finally realized that he was another father figure but I was terrified of connecting with him Mm. because in my experiences, you know, I may as well just paint a big red X on his door because he was just going to die.
2: Mm.
3: But he wouldn't give up on me and he flat out told me that he was adopting me and he was going to be my dad and his wife, Jen... Became my surrogate mother, and they gave me hope and a reason to live and keep writing and everything. So it's been a, a complete turnaround in my life. And I wow, wow! A happily ever after in my life right now.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and thanks to your dog as well.
3: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not my dog, but a stray that I found. So. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I love that stray.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, what a conduit. Yes. Uh, the dog has uh reconnected you with family. Yes. Yeah.
3: very important in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, what's the dog's name?
3: Uh, you know what? I never did learn the dog's real name, but um somebody just started calling her, it was a female, I just started okay. calling her Fred. So
2: <laughs> Fred, okay.
3: <laughs> well, I think the first Fred. <laughs>
2: And is Fred still around? Because you had mentioned about some of your hobbies.
3: Yeah, she actually, she lives not too far away from me. And when I'm walking from my house, to my surrogate parents' house, sometimes I can see her in her kennel in the backyard. So
2: Uh
3: uh (laughs) I say a little thank you to her every time I walk by. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. All right, great. Yeah, so give us a sneak peek of uh, some of the projects that you're working on right now, and I think it'll become obvious to anyone listening how everything relates.
3: Yes, well, um, the project that I'm trying to finish up right now is a book that I'm working on called Journaling to Become a Better Writer. Gal, how do I want to summarize that? Basically, you know, I've been keeping a journal for so long. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've also been writing fiction for so long, and the two the two forms of writing just really overlapped for me. When I keep my journal, I write it as though I'm writing a novel in first person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, my journal became not only a place for me to explore my life, but also to practice what I was learning about how to write fiction. And this really came home to me during this time when Sam was trying to reach out with me and connect with me. It was an extremely traumatic time for me, and I was journaling a lot. And as part of this therapy that I was trying to work through all this, I have a very dear friend who I refer to as my grandma Steph. She's actually a writing friend of mine, but she's become so much more than that for me. And I would write these long, long journal entries, and then I would send them off to her just to have a very close friend Mm -hmm. saying and comment and she she was so helpful during that time i just thank god for her Mm -hmm. and she she would also comment that she couldn't wait to read the next installment (laughs) (laughs) and it occurred to me that how much my journal is very much like written like a novel and i began to thinking about it and just how how much the two can overlap and how much you can learn about novel writing from keeping a journal and how both forms of writing can be excellent forms of self-therapy when you're going through tough times. Mhm. This is going to be full of the, all the parallels that I've ever noticed between journaling and noveling and exercises that you can do to try to practice some of the things that I've put into practice all this time. So mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun writing it. I hope it turns out pretty well.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. And how how close are you to finishing? Does it have a scheduled release date?
3: It used to, but it's been. <laughs> it started out as a series of blog posts that I wrote on one of the blogs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which is excellent, right? Because we're often told, you know, people, especially if we have a blog, uh, if we're trying to market anything, if we have a small business and we're trying to, you know, get our word out there. That repurposing your material is like, you know, rule number one of marketing. Don't try to reinvent new messages. If you've got some great things to say, you know, have a blog post, have a brochure, have a podcast episode, have a, you know, (laughs) reusing it is really great. What the interesting twist to this style is, you know, I can understand a journal becoming a memoir you know, or a journal becoming an autobiography. But uh, this is very interesting that a journal would become fiction. And I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure there are other people who say that keeping a journal can actually help in your fiction writing. I know one of my first guests, Jessica Jensen, is a, is a fiction writer as well. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us some of the things that you have learned about keeping a journal for your fiction writing.
3: Oh, so many things. One of them is basic story structure. You'll when you read books about, you know, how to write a novel, they'll teach you every story, regardless what it's about, has the exact same structure. You have a set of characters who are confronted by a conflict. The conflict reaches a climax before it ends in some kind of resolution. So Characters, Conflict, Climax, Resolution. And as I was keeping my journal, I noticed this exact same format that I was kind of subconsciously using as I was writing my journal entries. Mm
1: -hmm,
3: mm -hmm. And I think just the act of not having to create a story out of thin air actually helps you to focus on the, the actual writing of it. So here in my own life, I already had characters, conflict, climax, resolution, and I could simply focus on writing it well, writing it in a way that was going to be compelling. I always imagine that other people are reading my journal, even though they aren't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I, I write for these imaginary people, and I try to put them in my life and carry them on a journey through my journal entry. And so being able to practice the basic story structure like that I think was really helpful.
2: I wonder if Anne Frank had an imaginary audience. I know she used to write to her journal, Mm -hmm. you know, and she nicknamed her journal and it became her dear friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if she also imagined that there was an audience that would someday read it, or if she thought that this would just be, you know, her, just her and Kitty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Makes me wonder.
3: That's a very good question. I wonder
2: if you journaled about that. Yeah, yeah, we should uh, <laughs> we should research that a little bit. I know what you're talking about. I have an imaginary audience, even though I very, very rarely let anybody read my journal. There is, you know, an audience in my mind that's like listening and understanding and laughing along with me or sometimes crying along with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just never, I, I guess I never took that leap to say, wow, this means that I'm a storyteller, that I could become, uh, this would be a, an indication of a, a fiction writer inside me.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I think just recognizing the stories in your own life is um, an extremely helpful way to be a better fiction writer. Um, one of the pieces of advice that you oftentimes hear, it's almost like the the first and cardinal rule of fiction writing is write what you know. Mm. People break that roll left and right, and I'm glad they do, because we get really imaginative stories when you do that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the same time, I consider it to be like your starting point. If you write about your own life and what you know, it's just such a, an amazing practice ground to then go on and be a little bit more imaginative. An example that I use frequently in the book, if you've ever seen an artist in the park with, with your sketch pad. mm mm-hmm. And they're sketching the things they see around them, uh, the duck pond or the old man on the bench or whatever it might be. What they're doing, they're not necessarily out there right now trying to make stunning works of art. What they're doing is trying to practice their technique and their observation skills and looking for composition worthy elements in the real world. And I consider my journal to be the exact same thing. This is me out in the Ah,
2: top. yeah, I see the I see the parallel.
3: Sketching from life models is what I call it. So, and I've seen just how that can improve the writing in, in a variety of ways.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you are observing, and I I'll always say journaling is mostly about noticing, noticing yourself, noticing situations you're in, noticing your feelings, your thoughts. So you are kind of drawing in, you're you're adding to the tool belt or your inventory of situations and ideas and real circumstances. I guess what you're saying then, Danielle, is the best fiction is uh, a patchwork quilt of real scenarios.
3: Uh, My fiction is certainly what that is all about. The novel that I'm working on right now, uh, working title is Mailboat, I may or may not keep that. I was just thinking about it these past couple of days and just how much it is a patchwork of real life scenarios and events and inspirations that were all clipped and snipped and put together into mm-hmm. built. Mm-hmm. And that's that is the way I write. You know, a lot of other authors are far far more imaginative. I actually have a very bad imagination, so I just you know keep copying from real life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely
3: a patchwork of real life all put together. Mm-hmm,
0: so, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Great. What are some of the other tips that you would have for storytellers about journaling?
3: Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, the the chapter that I'm in the middle of right now is about getting in touch with your emotions. And I think this chapter is probably going to end up being pretty much the heart and soul of the entire book.
1: Mm. Because
3: I'm planning the chapters that come afterwards, they all kind of keep alluding back to this one because it's so central. From the noveling perspective, if you are not getting your reader in touch with your character's emotions, you come off with really two-dimensional characters. It's essentially impossible for your reader to care about them or feel any kind of connection with them because they really don't feel human. Mm Mm-hmm. The challenge for a lot of writers is that they're not used to getting in touch with emotions. And here's where I'm talking again about sketching from life models. If you're not practiced in getting in touch with your own emotions, it's just infinitely harder, I think, to get in touch with an imaginary character's emotions. Sure. So uh, there's a chapter in the book that talks about, you know, how to just get in touch with your own emotions and express them. And I broke it down to three steps this is the process that I always use when I'm journaling to to really come to terms with how I'm feeling and be honest about it. The first thing you want to do is ask, what happened? That's the real simple step. That's what everybody, you know, just automatically does. That's easy. So you ask, what happened? Second, you ask, how did that make me feel? And it can be really difficult to be honest with yourself about that. But, you know, it's your journal. Nobody's going to read it but you if that's the way you want it. So mm-hmm. how did that make you feel? And then the third question is also really important, I think, to get you to really understand what's going on. You need to ask yourself, why did I feel that way?
1: Mm.
3: Once you have asked and answered those three questions and feel like you've really gotten to the root of it, then you finally have a full understanding of your emotions. Then you are in touch with your emotions. And I think that once you've practiced that considerably in your journal, working on yourself... And even a little bit on the other people around you, just trying to guess maybe how they're feeling and why they're doing what they're doing. Then you can go on to your fiction and apply the same principles to your imaginary characters and write about them in a much more compelling way.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah, I could see. And if you had these dialogues, I guess, with your fictional characters, you really could reach a, a depth yes. um, and they become characters that people care about.
3: That's the point. That's the hope anyway. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Super, super. So tell us, uh, is there anything you like to do when you're not writing and journaling? Not really. Write <laughs> <laughs> about when you're not writing. That's what you write about. <laughs> my That's
3: life funny. definitely revolves around writing. <laughs>
2: wow, wow.
3: I do want to break away from it. I, uh, I love to be outdoors. I love to go hiking with my dog, Molly. I love just hanging out with my dog, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, so that's the dog. I was confusing that with Fred, the dog that uh, brought you to your uh, adopted family.
3: There have been many dogs in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I used to humane society, so I've had hundreds of dogs in my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yes, they're wonderful companions.
2: Very good. Well, we're going to take just a short break, and when we come back, Danielle is going to share her take about handwriting versus typing a journal, and we'll find out whether Danielle types or handwrites. I'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles, complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now... Back to more journal
2: talk. All right, welcome back to Journal Talk. I am here with Danielle Hanna, who is a fiction writer who says journaling helps with her fiction writing, and they are sort of two—would you say two sides of a similar coin?
3: Oh yes, definitely. <laughs>
2: yeah, very. It's—it's uh, it's not intuitive to me that that would be that way. Oh, really? um, but I see everything you've been sharing. I can see how definitely there are so many crossovers. Tell us, do you spend most of your time on a keyboard or do you like to handwrite?
3: Well, that's it's the interesting difference between when I'm writing my journal and when I'm writing fiction. I find that I can journal either way. And I think that's possibly because I've just been doing it so long. I'm just, I've gotten really fluid with being able to express my thoughts in whatever form. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I find that I write my fiction and even my nonfiction infinitely better when I do it by hand. Wow! Yes, and I think the the difference being, handwriting is much slower. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I'm writing by hand, I'm thinking ahead. You know, it takes so long just to get one word written that my mind can go ahead and think ahead to the next word, the next sentence, the next paragraph. And I find that while I'm writing by hand, I'm thinking of what I'm writing as a whole unit. Mm. so i it turns my first drafts turn out infinitely better. If I try to do a first draft typewritten, I end up doing twenty to thirty drafts afterwards. If I do it handwritten, I can get away with maybe only five or six drafts.
2: So wow, wow, I, that's another counterintuitive piece of advice. Oh. I get it, though. I certainly understand that, uh, and I and I say this often too that that slowing down when you're journaling helps you to really uh, focus and get clear, and it's it's sort of a meditation in a way. And I hear by the time you have finished one sentence, you've not only thought about You've kind of thought, and you can feel the arc of the story mm-hmm. exactly. um, happening. Wow, wow, that's amazing. And if you try to, if you have too much of a connection with your brain and it's coming out too fast, then it's all jumbled.
3: Yep.
2: <laughs> and you've got to re- reorganize it, <laughs> work more to reorganize it. Wow, wow. Well, there's a point on the book on the record for handwriting. I don't know if you know, Danielle, I am doing somewhat of a little study to find out, you know, which one of these is really the best way to, to uh, write in a journal. And I'm sort of keeping a little tally going.
3: that's interesting yeah
2: so you've just helped me give one point in the direction of handwriting Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure it probably would vary from writer to writer too i know i just find that for me i can write much more deeply i can get more in touch with myself when i'm doing it by hand Mm
0: -hmm.
2: i certainly understand i relate to it I can't find really I can't pinpoint the reason why that's so and I speak to enough people who say the opposite you know that they're able to just get it out better they're able to refine it faster they're able to you know all, all the things that we love about you know typing in fact some of the things that we say are more difficult about the typing, they would say, Oh, well, that's, that's one of the best reasons to type your journal. So it's really, you know, I I think you're right, it's going to come down to who it is, you know, sometimes it it might be partially a gender thing or an age group thing. Mm. You know, how did somebody first learn how to write if they had you know, if they had a difficult time perhaps in grade school with a teacher mm-hmm. who smacked the, the hand when they weren't holding the pencil correctly, oh, you know, yeah. may, maybe they're going to be uh, better typers. You know,
3: <laughs> it could be. There could be a lot of variations in there. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Very good, Danielle. Do you want to share? How can we get in touch with you? And how do we keep? Uh, I'll put a link up on the show notes here so that people can stay in touch with uh, the progress of your book. But where's your website? How can people reach you?
3: My website is danielhanna.com. Hannah is H-A-N-N-A. I know you're going to want to put another H on there, but just don't. <laughs> I don't know where you'll end up. <laughs> so it's danielhanna.com is my website. And I'm also on Twitter at Danielle L. Hannah.
2: All right, super. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch with you there. It's called journaling to become a better writer, That's right. and I just love that message. And i I know that journaling definitely improves skills in writing. I just mm-hmm. uh, would not have thought that fiction writing specifically was in that category. But I'm so glad you've shared with us. Any parting words that you'd like to share with the audience of Journal Talk?
3: For me, when I was much younger. I think I was actually more honest about my life and about my problems in my fiction than I was in my journal. Whoa. Yeah. For some reason, I had this notion, and I think this had to do with my upbringing and, and the thoughts that I was being taught when I was a child, that I had this notion that I had to look perfect and all put together, that there was nothing wrong with my life. And sadly, I even reflected that in my journal when I was a child and in my teens. That was something I had to eventually learn that, you know what, this is my journal. Just say anything. Just let it out. So as a matter of fact, when I was younger, I was far more honest about my life in my fiction because this was about somebody else, right? Uh, (laughs) So yes, (laughs) the interesting thing is even after I started becoming more honest with my journal and my journal, I think started becoming even more productive for me than it was before. What's really ironic and what I'm still trying to understand is that even now, starting when I was a child and even up till now, I can be writing a story and not realize until months or years later that I'm writing about myself.
2: Oh, whoa.
3: It's really mind boggling. I'll have a story I'll be working on. Uh, The Mailboat is is an excellent example of that. The novel that I'm working on right now, which I'm currently calling it Mailboat. I started working on it. It was going to be such a fun story because it's based on the real-life mail boat in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where mail is delivered by kids jumping off a moving tour boat onto a pier. Mm. To the box, And they have to jump back on the boat. And it was going to be such a fun story. And I started working on it. And I realized that the main character was, for all intents and purposes, me. Our <laughs> stories were not identical, but there were so many similarities that kept coming up. Wow. And at that point, I was so raw about everything that was happening. I actually put the story away for several years and said, I cannot write this.
2: Wow. Wow.
3: So, yeah. And I've had that happen, I think, in almost every story I've ever worked on. I eventually realized that I was writing about myself without even realizing it. Wow. And it was, I guess, me just subconsciously trying to work through my problems and try to find my own happily ever after, I guess. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think noveling was actually a form of self therapy for me before journaling even was.
2: Wow, wow, beautiful words. thank you so much, Danielle. This has been a quite an education.
3: Mm, I'm glad it was
2: yeah, yeah, very interesting, and to all the fiction writers out there, I think the the word is thank you for all the great stories and uh, I wonder now when i when I see a good movie or read a good book, I wonder, hmm, how much of this is really real? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it's like uh you know all, you know that tagline that says you know this story was based on actual events yep. uh or you know this this story is based on a you know based on a true story um mm-hmm. maybe it can be said about every single piece of fiction out there
3: you know i'm it probably can to some extent or another. I've heard a lot of writers say that they can see some of themselves in each of the characters they write. And I think that's really true.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what makes it enjoyable. That's what makes the stories fun. That's what makes I it engaging. Uh, otherwise, uh, if if it were completely unrelated to reality, would mm-hmm. we even watch it?
3: Right. You know, or, I think or, or read it? The reason that we watch movies or read fiction is because we see a bit of ourselves in whatever it is we're reading. Mm-hmm. So I think... I think, or at the very least, we're looking for ourselves, or we're looking for something we can apply to our own lives. So in that form, reading fiction is also a form of self-therapy. So
1: Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm. it all overlaps.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you, Danielle. We will stay in touch, and good luck in bringing both these books, Mailboat and also Journaling to Become a Better Writer. Thanks for sharing your journey with us, and good luck in bringing those to a bookshelf.
3: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for
1: having me. All right. Take care. You too. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us. Spell W-R-I-T-E, the number 4, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. (laughs)